The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, Michael, and welcome back to Inspire Us. It's so glad to have you on for a second show. Oh, man, great to be here. Thanks for asking me on. Oh, no. Last time when we spoke about a topic, human trafficking, and what people can do to become more aware and even to help prevent human trafficking, your information was so valuable. You contributed so much great content and information, and our audience absolutely loved it. Now, we weren't able to get to another topic that you're very familiar with. I've watched a documentary that you did on this topic, and it's one that needs more awareness. And you're just the person to bring some of that awareness to us. And that topic is about the homeless. Would you tell us about how you got involved with your documentary or even becoming involved in the awareness of our homeless problem? Yeah, well, I had been for many years in Los Angeles I and other places as well. I think collectively is probably one of the topics that I ended up interfacing with the most, just on just offering to serve food, to clean, to, and more recently when I was in LA, we actually used to, before they shifted it, they set up like a pop-up afternoon, evening dinner, where um, we actually served our angels on the streets and and other people who were hungry and, and then brought it back and cleaned up. And I find that for me, you know, having lived in many big metropolises, you know, from New York to LA to, to Madrid and Milan and, and Shanghai and a bunch of places where there are a lot of people living on the streets, some more than others, you know, it's, it's right. It's the, one of those things that it's, it's right there in front of us. And yet we've almost become conditioned collectively to walk right past those individuals. Yeah, I get it. You know, you're busy. I'm busy. They're asking for money all the time. You know, they are, are you really empowering them by get, you know, or you, are you helping them? Are you hurting them by giving them money? Maybe they'll go out and buy alcohol or they'll, they'll encourage to be encouraged to continue to beg and these different questions go through us, but we get to interface it every time. And so I found it really compelling topic for, for all of us to look at. And I'm glad you asked me about it because it's our chance to, to step up in our beingness, in our true understanding of what we're doing here on earth, who we really are and who these other folks are to us. And because there are folks, you, you, might, you, you might like to think otherwise, you know, but the folks on the streets are our folks. They're our family. They're our relatives. They are part of the one that we all are. And so walking past them is in a certain sense, walking past yourself. And that's other than to mean everybody's got to go out there and, and give money every time or, or serve food or donate clothes or become an activist. It's understanding that it's how we feel 
when we're going by that we're just stepping over them or like you said recognizing can we just recognize them i asked one gentleman one time i said well what what's most important to you and he just said to be acknowledged you know i i ask for a, you know if somebody has a dollar and they just look right past me like i don't exist and i really took the simple essence of his message to heart and uh, as much as i can when i've been in those situations over time is i just look people in the eye and i you know i would say answer their question offer a blessing just say that you know something to them that i'd like to hear you know and that's already a huge step forward and so in particular to the film uh, a friend of mine was running uh, an outreach in colorado and they were uh, going to have a gala and so they were looking to make something to help them raise funds for their operation and um I uh, helped them do it. That's amazing. That's wonderful. And you talked about your volunteer work and just serving to, to deliver meals uh, to family members because a lot of people know, and anyone who's listened to my podcast knows that uh, I, I refer to humanity as one big family, just as you have. And it alarms me too, how many people will walk by the homeless without acknowledging them. They've become the invisible people. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody out there who does this because there's a lot of reasons, as you touched on, why we do this. And a number is sometimes we just don't know how to help them. Or we wonder, as you said, is giving money to them going to serve them or is it going to serve their addiction? Again, a lot of people are concerned, they're embarrassed, they don't know what to do. And it's in that state of confusion or unawareness that we can sometimes just ignore the, the thing that's right in front of us or the people that are right in front of us. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons I think we've seen, and I'm, I'm sure that you've seen this, is that not everybody who is homeless, nobody who is homeless actually as a child said, you know, one day I'm going to grow up just to be homeless. I want to be, what do you want to be, son? Well, dad, I, I really want to be homeless. I, I really, I, I want to be one of those people on the streets asking for money and looking for food and finding a place to stay safe in the evening and wondering where my next meal was coming from or, or where I was going to spend the night. No, People do not, just as, as prostitution, people do not wake up as little children and say, that's what I want to do in the future. It happens for a number of different reasons. And one of the different reasons that it happens is that sometimes there's a mental illness that happens and there's a disassociation from the rest of the community, but there's still that need for us to eat, to find shelter and to survive, which is something that we all need to do. But we have seen where some individuals who are homeless become violent. And so there is that aspect, I'm sure, that's running in the mind of someone who may reach out and get attacked as a result of it, because we don't know how to approach safely and how to approach in a way in which we can serve. So have you experienced that? Can you add something to what I just said? Because I know that there's so many different reasons. Like, like I'd like to take a look at first what may be going on in the minds of the people who walk by the homeless without 
making any connection. And then I would like to take a look, if you're all right with this, at what may be going on and what is going on in the minds of the homeless so that we can kind of work it together and so that there's a more appreciation. Does that make sense? Yes. Awesome. So what, what would you say would be perhaps running in the minds of the people who are walking by our homeless? You know, John Paul, the people that, it is John, right? <laughs> He's J Paul. It's J Paul, <laughs> but I go by Paul. Yeah. Oh, okay. You had the J in there, just choosing. I the... do. You know what? My brother, <laughs> that's a story. That's my, my brother, Robert. I love my brother. He's such a great man. And when I first wrote my first book, he said, I, I was about to publish it. And he, and I said, well, I'm going to publish Paul Nadeau. And he says, your name is Jean Paul. And we just kind of dropped the Jean when you were a child, but maybe you should put a J in front of your name and that'll be more catchy. So now I get, is it J? Is it JP? Is it Jean? Is it Paul? And it's all right. Those combinations are fantastic, but I go by Paul. <laughs> okay. Well, I, as you didn't sure I recognize people for what they choose to be called. So we'll, we'll go uh, with Paul. Thank you. You're a gentleman. You're welcome. So, so we think many things now and more than ever, it has to do with something that's on our phone. You know, you could have, we could have the same conversation 10 or 20 years ago. And it would have been, there have been an equal number of different things that people might've been thinking about from what they're going to buy for dinner to what they're, uh, what they're, what they're supposed to be doing at work or what the boss thinks of this or what their partner thinks of that, or where they're going to go on vacation or, you know, how they're going to pay their bills or whatever, or how they're going to make their millions. Now you add devices to the mix and it has disconnected people from people even more. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, I remember taking the New York City subway in two different periods of life and, and noticing just now how people, there was, that was the place where you could actually see everyone, you know, and really get in contact with all different types of people from all different walks of life. And now 60 to 75% of those people are, have their head buried in a phone. So, you know, are people even seeing our, homeless angels in the first place is a whole nother, you know, it's a debatable question. They're, they're, they're not people walk straight in the street with their phone. So, you know, when it does come to actually seeing people, I do believe it's those narratives that you already mentioned. Um, some fear, are they dirty? You know, I'm going to get in their way. I don't want them to see me. And, you know, you know, Paul, I work in the space of, in addition to the filmmaking, and this is actually, filmmaking is now a portal for the transformational work that I do and the truth work that I do, is that I like to look at it from the spiritual perspective of what is it in me that this interaction is producing that is asking to be healed in me? So often we're looking at the other person and saying, what's your problem? Why are you yelling? Why are you acting this way? Why did, why are you look this way? Or why are you doing this to somebody else? Instead of saying, Hmm, what you're, how you are at the moment is make it, I feel uncomfortable when I pass you by, or when you say this, what's going on inside of me that's at, that I can actually address. And that's really where the first activism can happen in this and many other issues is whatever the feeling that is, I feel, I feel discomfort. I feel sadness. I feel, uh, grief or apathy or fear. Okay, cool. Then 
if I hold on to that belief, that, that emotion, and just run with that, instead of really sitting with that, it's going to repeat itself. It has to repeat itself because you are your frequency, you are emitting that fear. And that particular person on the street or whoever it happens to be is simply mirroring for you that vibration. So now I would, whatever that comes up, whatever comes up in anybody, I would suggest, and this is what I did for myself. I really, and I had so much when I lived in LA, there are people everywhere on the streets. So I got the chance to practice this in myself and it was so liberating um, was simply say, oh, that's that thought that comes to me. That's that emotion. Instead of disregarding it and running past the person and getting on by, I let myself feel that emotion, feel my emotion. What is that? What am I really annoyed with? Am I annoyed at that person for interrupting me, getting in my way, but for asking for money or for getting in the way on the street when I'm hustling to get <laughs> to where I'm choosing to go? Or are they just activating what's already inside of me? And I began to look, turn it around and use those opportunities as I did in the rest of life. It was just more obvious in this one to shift that inside of me, to go in and say, I'm not gonna feel my fear today. I'm gonna feel my annoyance today. What am I really annoyed about? You know, and it was something much bigger than a person stepped in my way on the street, you know, or was, you know, in front of my friend's store. It, it was something much deeper. So they, like other people who annoy us or antagonize us or whatever, are all giving us an amazing opportunity to see what's going on inside of us as ready to be healed and ready to be transformed. It's a huge service on the cosmic level to have chosen or to align with a challenging life in order to stimulate other people into awareness, into love, into their true essence. And for me, that's how I like to look at it. And that, that shifted my, my demeanor around, um, around the people that I was running into. And it really enabled me to see the gift that they were giving me in that moment of shifting um, and healing something inside. That's a wonderful way of looking at it because yes, it does challenge who we are as human beings, individuals, and what it can bring out in us. And we react, of course, from a number of different things. And it's perhaps from our past or, or what we've heard or what, what we've been influenced by. But I love the way that you look at that. What is it in me that could use some, what, what's this experience teaching me? How can I improve myself as an individual, as a human being, and then share with someone in need? And I think that we have to challenge ourselves that way. We really do. It comes down to, you know, who are we? And, and what can we do to make our spirit that much stronger and so that we can share our spirit and hopefully with someone else and give someone a helping hand. So that is so very important. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. You know, now let's uh, shift over a little bit to what may be happening in the mind of, of someone who finds himself without a home or without any means of having a next meal. And one of the things that I want to start off with is that a lot of people wonder why some homeless individuals are talking to themselves and are wondering if it's if it's a mental illness. Because we often, I have, I, I live in downtown Toronto. And so around us, there are several homeless shelters, but there are also several people who still live on the street. And we see someone who's talking to themselves. And, and it seems that they're, they're carrying on conversations. I look at my own life where COVID-19 kind of secluded me into a little box because I don't live with anybody. We all have a need to really connect with other people. 
And I'll admit, I've talked to myself. And I think that most of us at some point have talked to ourselves. Now, I want to bring that a hundredfold where you have no one that's talking to you. People are walking by you. You're not being seen. You're not being heard. You're not being validated. All things that we need as human beings, and we've seen what happens when, we're, when some people are not seen and heard. We, our, our attention is drawn to some of the terrible things that have happened as a result of people who have not been seen and heard, first-person shooters, all kinds of you know, things that go wrong in society because you don't see me, you don't hear me. Speaking to oneself is a way of perhaps connecting with another voice. And that, if you don't get that external stimuli, and I'd like your opinion on this, can actually accelerate that, that, that feeling that I need to talk to myself, I need to be heard. And then we have these conversations. First, it was you, now it's somebody else. Would that make any sense to you, having dealt with the homeless? Would, it, would that resonate with you? It's possible. It's other than something that I've studied deeply, why um, folks would speak out loud, speak to themselves. It's certainly a possibility. Uh, I would say that the factors leading somebody to where they are on the streets, you know, and you assume if you're on the streets, you're, you don't even have a car to sleep in. Right. So, you know, as other people say, I slept in my car, you're technically homeless, but at least you're at the car. And if we're really looking at people who are sleeping at the shelters or on the streets themselves, um, there is a high, high level of what we call, or I'll say mental conditions because everything is conditioned. It can be, it can be moved. Um, and, and certainly a lot of heavy trauma. I, I believe the last time I looked, it could be, it was like hundreds of thousands of soldiers, uh, veterans of the U S military sleeping on the streets or homeless, technically homeless. So a lot of trauma. Uh, and then if you mix in the relief that people seek from the trauma, you know, people look at folks who are doing, um, you know, who are en embroiled in, you know, the street life, be it what we're talking about today, being sex trafficked or through prostitution, things like that. And they look at them, oh, you're doing these drugs. Like, oh, this person obviously is doing, is on the streets because they were doing drugs and they've lost it. And, you know, as a, some sort of symptom of it, instead of looking at it like, what must have happened to that person that they are now hooked on this drug. Mm -hmm. So often the folks go to that because there's so much pain that they, and they don't have the tools, the support network, the love, someone to talk to that other people might have. And so they turn to drugs and maybe just once and then they get hooked. It could be a, a dealer, a pusher that's like really encouraging them to do it. And then they get hooked. So it's remembering that that too. And now once, now you obviously being on any, any drug can have its own um, results. Now, if you've taken synthetic drugs, now they can really cook the mind even more. Mm -hmm. So what all of these factors will do to the human mind and what the different things that come out of that, you know, talking out loud, talking to yourself, being belligerent certainly could be some of those results from that. The, the piece that I like to focus on is what are the underlying root factors that led to this being possible in the first place? You know, what was, what happened in, in this person's home? Um, 
as a kid growing up, what happened in their lives? What is the system that's supposed to be helping them? Um, where did they fall short? Was the system ever really meant to help them in the best way possible? And you know, asking some of the hard questions and saying, well, if, if it's already been proven, this is what I've heard, it could be different, but it's been proven that in many cases, actually cheaper to give everyone a residence than actually deal with all of the litany of costs that comes with people living on the street. If that were true, um, then why would that, why, why wouldn't that be much more often tried and examined? Because it's been said that that's the case. What's really going on here? There are other mitigating factors that lead to this that you know, if we're really looking to be activists and if we're if we look at this sort of level, we can really ameliorate and assist a lot of areas of society in addition to homelessness is what are the root causes? What's really going on in our society that is leading so many people um, to this place of being lost? And um, and then how can we take it all and begin to make blessings out of it? What is our individual opportunity? In our in our unique sectors and geographies and uh, and families and communities to make an impact in in one person's life and that's all I mean one person is other than necessary to fix the millions you know it's like what's the one person around you who you could impact or keep from being homeless because there are a lot of runaways kids run away. And they, uh, there's a lot of factors going on in the home at the time that that happens, obviously. And then uh, they don't have anywhere to go. And so they end up on the streets. And within 48 hours, they've been almost certainly been solicited to by someone who's a predator who plans on sex trafficking them so or something else. So understanding that it also is beforehand. Let's look at what's going on in our homes, in our communities, and watching out for the young ones who are other than equipped to deal with what's going on in their lives and what can we do to reach out to them and create relationships of openness and trust that, uh, that could spare someone from, from running away, which is a, you know, living on the streets is, is tough. It's really, really tough life as we can imagine. It's a very dangerous place. And, um, and it's something that we can actually do something about when we look at look at it from this place of prevention and, and looking and helping our youth. Thank you, Michael. That was very thoughtful because it is, it is each and every one of our responsibility to be aware of what's going on in our own homes or in our circle of friends. And to see that something may be building up, we can stop or at least jump in and try to help before it gets out of hand. You know, it, it may be a drug problem. As you said, it may be a young person who's thinking about running away, all these kinds of things. Well, if a child is, is feeling unsafe in their own home, hopefully there's a teacher or a friend or a family out there that see what's going on and that can help the young person before they jump to, and find the streets to think that they that's the best place for them. And the same is true with people who may be experiencing some difficulties in their lives, some drug addictions, maybe there's an intervention that can happen. So it's so true. So I would like to finally close it off with what are some of the things that we can do as a people when we are walking on the streets to make the homeless less invisible, to maybe share a hello or whatever? What would you recommend? Well, what I did 
that was really interesting and it can lead you know make some time in case it goes long but just really just engage someone once just just for the heck of it i get it we all have lots of things to do but it'll be a memorable conversation most likely in one way or another or take a pause on the busyness for a minute and allow the adventure of life to unfold and imagine that the person in front of you or to your side was actually placed there as a sort of character in your movie and then they're interrupt someone you see all the time let's say you're always passing them by on the street they're in the same place or someone interrupts you when you're when you're off you know moving through to go someplace else just take a minute and just say hello what's your name what are you up to today and just see where the conversation leads because you already you already know where running walking past them leads to so just for fun or out of love or out of adventure just stop and say something that comes to your heart in that moment can i have a dollar what are you going to use it for you yeah, know, yeah. in a nice way like not like a you know you know you're going to use it to drink but like oh would you like a dollar would you know am i investing in your company tell me what you're selling like <laughs> just be fun like have a have a laugh with it and see where and the stories how people when they open up to you like you said somebody waiting for just a, a an ear sometimes just someone to hear them validate them mm. that could be a massive service and whether you end up giving them some food that you have in your backpack or your briefcase or your purse or you give them a dollar or you give them just a smile just sitting with them for that moment can potentially be a pretty big gift for that person and for yourself so have fun treat people like you'd like to be treated and while we don't always have the time for everyone to do that pick a time and and see what happens try it with one person that's my philosophy in life Thank you so much. It's just uh, imagining what it must be like for the other person and treating them the way that you would like to be treated yourself. Acknowledge them, say hello. And as you just so nicely put it, start a conversation, see where it goes. And thank you so much, Michael, for once again coming on this show and for dropping such value to everyone. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Paul. My pleasure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. I'm going to take a moment right now to talk about my book, Take Control of Your Life. It is available in most online bookstores, and it is helping save lives. It's about mental wellness and how to deal with self-sabotage. And it's also available on audio. You can get it at Audible or Amazon. So pick up your copy. You may change your life or the life of someone else. Gift it. It would be a great gift to give. Today we're going to talk about the homeless, street angels, the invisible people. Many of our homeless appear invisible to us. We walk by them every day. We don't see them. We don't make eye contact with them. We just walk by, uncertain what to do, uncertain what to say, and sometimes just wondering what they're going to do if I do share a dollar or two with them. Will they buy drugs? Will they buy booze? What is it? Everybody needs to be seen and heard. And I can only imagine that some of our homeless feel unseen and unheard and how difficult that must be. Because not everybody who ends up on the street, let me rephrase that, people don't end up on the street for no reason. It might have been abuse at home. It might have been 
a drug addiction. Everybody's got a story. My next guest is going to talk about the homeless. And he has a message. Let's make them visible again. At least share a smile, a hello, and maybe even ask how they're doing. And more. Without any further delay, I introduce you once again to Michael Matucci. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 